Welcome to a Words Matter podcast, a podcast of FBC Seminole. All right. Welcome to the Words Matter podcast, a podcast of FBC Seminole. We're so glad to be back with you. It's podcast week. Um, it is also Thanksgiving week, so we're kind of changing some things up with some guys on vacation, different jobs. And so I've arranged for a different group to meet with us today for our podcast. So I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. So here to my left, we've got... My name is Garrett Beliski. I just recently accepted the call at First Baptist Altus, so I haven't quite made it out there yet, but I'm really looking forward to getting out there. All right, so we got Garrett with us, and then across from Garrett. A lot of you Seminole people might know me. I'm Lane Griffin. I'm currently the youth pastor at FBC Asher, and I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we uh, uh, decided to get together and been trying to do this for a couple of weeks now, and it just kind of worked out in schedule with being sick and a bunch of other things mm. going on in life, uh, uh, to get together and talk about youth ministry in church. Uh, you guys have been in student ministry for, for several years, uh, products of student ministry yourselves, and a lot of connections to FPC Seminole, uh, Lane being a student of ours here and growing up in our church and being sent out from our church, and, and Garrett being a part of uh, Nick's youth ministry mm-hmm. uh, growing up there in Blanchard. Uh, and so he's going to share the dirt on Nick and what he's really <laughs> like, and uh, so we'll get to that. Um, so you guys uh, talked about where you guys were at in, in ministry and stuff. So let me ask you this question. How did you guys get into student ministry? Like, what was that calling like for you? You want me to go first? Yeah, you can. So uh, for me, I always shot for youth ministry, and the way that I tell it, my testimony is I got called to ministry when I was 15, and I just felt like God was in a funny way, telling me, be like Nick. And so uh, I was just shooting for youth ministry until God corrected me. And the joke I like to make is, here I am some 15 years later, still waiting to hear from God, but I'm just still in student ministry. Um, But I served around. I did Sunday school, connect groups, things like that. And then I helped out on Wednesday nights where I could just as a college kid. And uh, our youth minister left at our home church and Our pastor gave me the opportunity to do like an unofficial interim for a couple of months while we looked for somebody else. And uh, when I tell you, God led me to teach the nine worst messages anyone's ever heard. Um, Every week I was so nervous, like I was going off to war and then uh, I just bombed. And every time after that, I felt like God was just telling me, "This this is what I want you to do. This isn't a placeholder in your life. This is what I want you to do, at least for right now. And so uh, that really spurred it on for me, and I was able to be an associate youth minister after that and learn uh, what it looks like to not just study the Bible like I had done, but study in a way to prepare to teach it. And uh, I was able to teach once a month there, and uh, the high school youth minister who was over me was able to tell me a lot of the mannerisms I had that were horrible and embarrassing (laughs) that I had no idea, and I was able to break that kind of stuff. And then from there, just serving from there, I was able to get my first full-time youth ministry job, and it's been uh, all gas since then. So, yeah. what, are, what were some of those mannerisms? Yeah, I was going to ask. So uh, I, I swear I had no idea. I would say, all right, after every single sentence I said, and I would think Nick used to say this. He used to say, and this is what God did, whatever, all right? And then I thought, that was so smooth. That's so cool. So I would say, this is water, all right? And so when we look at water, you can see the qualities of God, all right? And what God has is he's liquid, all right? And obviously I'm making this up, but it's like literally every single time I said a sentence, I would end it with, all right. And my, uh, the high school guy sat me down. He's like, Garrett, you have got to stop saying all right. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And he told me what I just said. He's like, this is what you do all the time. And I said, I do not. I would never do that. I say it like a couple times, and he had recorded me, and he showed me, and I was like, oh, man, I can't believe that. (laughs) And so I didn't know how to break myself of that. So I told the youth, I want to do this game where several times throughout the night, I'm going to say, all right. And when I say that, I want you to say it back to me. So without, like, not on purpose, I would be saying, all right. And the whole crowd, we had, like, 100 kids and youth, they'd say, all right. And it would, like, every time – uh, jostle me and scare me. And so it really, it broke it quick. And after a couple of weeks, they're like, why don't you do the all right thing anymore? And I was like, ah, it's just something I was trying out. I didn't really like it. <laughs> I was really using cool. you to help me. Yeah. That's really, yeah. Uh, so Garrett, uh, our uh, worship pastor tries to get it on us quite a bit here. And 
he's got mannerisms down on who speaks and what we do. And um, it's, it's very much been brought to my attention. That I touch my beard a lot when I preach. Like, I'll move my mustache out of my mouth. Or you I'll, do. It's like my security blanket. You yeah, know, I think that's I what it, it is. Um, and then the other thing I do is he says I preach with T-Rex arms where I lock my elbows in and just kind of <laughs> talk like this. And so I get to preach this Sunday. And so I'm already thinking about my T-Rex hands and trying to – got to branch out and move my arms a little more up and down so I'm not there locked into that. So, All right, Lena, how did you get into student ministry? Uh, so I got into student, uh, youth ministry because of being in your youth ministry. Um, I was not really connected until probably junior year. Um, until then I was, I think I was an annoying kid. I don't know if you can validate that or not, but I think (laughs) I was an annoying kid. Yep. Different is the word I would use. (laughs) Uh, I'm the same kid just with a beard now. Um, but I didn't get into it until you asked me to do slides. And that's when I was like, okay. I actually have to be here on Wednesdays because I have responsibility, so maybe I should start listening too. Um, And around that time, I started getting the call to youth ministry because I got into apologetics, and I really liked being able to ask questions and get answers to them, and so I was fascinated by that. And with the call to youth ministry, I was like, I want to teach other students about this. Like, I want them to be able to ask me questions, and I want to be able to answer those questions. So originally, youth ministry, my goal in it was in order to help students with their faith. If they had doubts, if they had questions, that I would be able to be a resource for them. Um, and so I started to look towards opportunities that I could do apologetics with it. I ended up going to OBU for apologetics. Um, and then through that, a lot of doors opened, whether it was sponsoring at Falls Creek or doing Super Summer stuff um, or any other youth things that you needed help um, help out with. I was able to do that. And so I had those opportunities that, opportunities that it was doors that I got to step through. Um, and that ended up leading me into youth ministry. But um, I originally wanted to be basically a Wikipedia article for the students <laughs> so that they could understand the faith um, where I happened to have doubts. Um, and so really it was just pl- being plugged into what you were doing in youth and getting that opportunity. I was able to go, okay, this feels right. Like I'm able to talk to these students about things. I'm able to lead. I'm able to um, ask discussion questions. I'm able to do the youth ministry stuff. Now I just need to actually go and uh, study for it at OBU. And so overall, that's how I got into it, just because doors kept opening. And I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, that's yep. cool. Lane was that kid that he'd have questions, and my response was like, well, I'm going to have to look that up. I'll get back to you. Cause yeah. No, I'll do it first. Don't worry. He'll, he'll come back to those like t- tough questions that you don't expect somebody in high school to ask. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know, but I'll go, I'll go find out for you. And that's, that's been kind of a catalyst for me is to be able to, to be okay telling students, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll, I'll find out and I'll do some research and I'll get back with you. Yeah. Be able to have those follow-up conversations. Um, so for me, uh, youth ministry, I was a product of, of youth ministry here at Seminole. So with my dad being in the military, we, we moved around a lot. We always spent our summers here in Seminole, which my grandparents lived. And so I would spend the summers with Brent Hazelrig, and he was the youth pastor here. And uh, I want to say it was probably my freshman year of high school. We had gone to Falls Creek. And I had felt a call to to ministry, kind of me and Adam Forgetty went down together and um, surrendered to this call to ministry. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, I could see you being a youth pastor. This makes total sense. And that year we moved to Arkansas and my family just completely unplugged from church. My dad was gone on Sundays. It was really hard for us to get up and go. And so we had really just kind of stopped going. And it was through being an, invited uh, to a youth ministry uh, there in Gravel Ridge, Arkansas, a Thanksgiving scavenger hunt. Um, that I signed my dad up to go help volunteer. And my dad was mad. He's like, we don't go to that church. I'm not helping with the youth. And I'm like, no, you have to. You have a van. I volunteered you. You have to drive. And my dad said, call your youth pastor. Tell him I'm not coming. I said, I'm not going to do that. You got to go now. So my dad ends up going. And within a year, we're in the church. My dad's ordained as a deacon. I'm serving there in the youth ministry and helping out. And really felt God kind of calling me towards this youth ministry. And then um, it was just kind of... Um, hammered in the next couple of years, but never really did anything to kind of pursue it. Like it was always in the back burner. Um, went to college, decided I wasn't going to be youth ministry. That was just not for me. Um, God kept nailing some things down that I just kept big signs that I just kept ignoring intentionally. Um, then it was serving in this youth ministry here for the youth pastor at the time was Drew Finley and, uh, going and serving as a cook that I went to a worship service and really felt God calling me. Um, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to cash in on that call that I put on you your freshman year of high school. And 
I refuse to listen. I matter of fact, I remember telling God specifically, go bother the teenagers, but leave me alone. <laughs> uh, and that next year, going to Falls Creek and fully surrendering to ministry, being a semester away from graduating, be a year into my marriage, uh, and then telling my wife, because she was at that service, saying, hey, I got, I got to tell you something. I know I'm fixing to graduate from, from college with a bachelor's degree in advertising and public relations, but I really feel God's calling me to ministry. And she looked at me and said, I felt like God was telling me tonight to prepare to be a youth pastor's wife. Like, <laughs> I can't explain it, but it was Jeff Johnson was leading worship at Falls Creek. It was that exact same night. We both had that same calling. So it was just all these things that God was lining up. And then so we moved from Norman back to Seminole and started serving in the youth ministry as a volunteer. They were looking to hire a, a part-time youth guy. And so I came on staff as a part-time junior high guy, you know, worked about 30 hours a week. Um, under Colt Krieger. And then when Colt left, I interviewed and took over the full-time position. And that's kind of, there's a lot more details into that story, but that's kind of just how I got into ministry. Um, and uh, so that's that's kind of my interactions with youth, youth ministry. And, and Lane, you kind of mentioned that you grew up in ministry here and you grew up in ministry in uh, Blanchard with uh, Nick. So what, what was your experience as a student in youth ministry? Like looking back now, do you have fond memories of youth ministry? Do you wish that maybe you'd done something a little different when you were a youth in youth ministry? What does it look like for you guys? I think um, I don't really remember whenever I like started out in youth. Um, I think it's a God-given uh, gift at this point, but I was not great uh, my sophomore year and before as a Christian. Um, I got saved in like ninth grade. Um, that's when I actually got saved. I got saved before then. Um, but I don't really like remember, um, early high school and stuff, but I do remember, um, like just being in the worship service and like talking to my friends. Like that's just, that, that's the kind of kid I was like, I didn't pay attention that much. Um, and as fun as it was and like going to mall madness and all that, I wasn't too plugged in. And it wasn't until junior year where I finally started to actually get plugged in with slides and all that. Um, and being put on like the leadership team and everything. And I was like, okay, there's something different about this. Like I have like these people that I'm plugged in with, I like spending time with them. Um, I like being in this church family in this youth group. Um, and so I started to get more plugged in. However, I will say, um, while a lot of people might not like understand it now, I was kind of reserved as a youth. At least I think I was. Um, and so it was, I had a lot of fun, but I never felt like I plugged myself in fully to it. Not because I didn't like it, but just because that wasn't who I was. So I have a lot of fond memories, but it's almost I have a lot of fond, fond memories from, like, the sidelines or from, like, back in the booth. Um, like, I remember there were a few times you were talking to other students in the leadership group, and you were like, you guys need to go and talk to these students that have shown up here. Um, like, you can't just leave them to sit by themselves in the back of the room and never come back. And I was like, I sit in the booth. I can't do that. Like, I, I can't interact with it. And so that's kind of how I viewed youth ministry. But I like that. I like being able to assist in it. And I like being able to, like, run it now as a youth minister. But I like that backroom view um, where I get to see how it grows and not be at, like, the front line where I can't look back. Mm. Um, so I had a good time in youth. Um, but I think looking back um, – I see it differently now because I know what to expect. And I'm like, okay, there was a lot of good then that I didn't recognize at the time. Um, so overall, it was a 8 out of 10. It was good. <laughs> I'm kidding. It was good. It was nice. good. <clears throat> so uh, before I got saved, my dream jobs were uh, an orthodontist second, but my first dream job was to be a gangster. And so uh, <laughs> Nick could probably tell you what I was like before I got saved, but... We were in and out of church a lot, but I think it was more so so our parents could get my brothers and I out of the house. So I knew who Nick was, and I knew, like, the Bible stories and things. But when I was 15, I got saved. Uh, God spoke to me through a rap song, which was crazy. But I remember um, I knew Nick, but not super well. And I think this was the first time I ever called him. I called him walking home from school the day after or, you know, the last time, the next time I was at school. And I was like, hey, Nick, this is Garrett, and I just want to let you know I got saved recently, and uh, I just told him the whole testimony. And I know, I kind of know how it's like whenever you have fringe kids who just uh, all of a sudden say they're saved, and especially around Falls Creek time, and then they fall off a lot. And I wouldn't blame him at all if he thought that about me. I remember it being a very short conversation, <laughs> and he didn't seem near as excited as, as I thought he would or he should, so... <laughs> Maybe I'll give him a hard time about that now. But um, you didn't care I was saved. How but dare you. Uh, 
I was, and everything changed for me. I was, I was very much like the opposite of who I became the next day. And not that I was perfect or anything, but from that point, I just wanted to serve however I could. And I didn't know what it looked like. I just wanted to be in the church. I remember asking Nick, is there a way I can like be a janitor here just so I can be here and see how a church works and things like that? Because I didn't, I didn't know, even though I kind of grew up in church, it was not because my parents pushed me to follow after God or I had any kind of godly influence. I just was there to mm. be there. And so um, I was now in church as often as I could. Uh, anytime Nick opened the doors or opened his, the doors to his house, I was there just trying to get there. And something that's really important to me in my youth ministry is longevity and consistency because I had one youth minister ever. I had one pastor ever. And I've worked for other pastors now, but as a layperson, as a follower of Christ, I had one of both those things. Mm. And I, I think God could use me, no matter what my situation was, but I think a big part of my story is I had two men in my life, my pastor, my youth pastor, who were there the whole time I was there. And I left Blanchard before they did. And so uh, I think that was important to me growing up. And it's important to me now. And just my philosophy and how youth ministry should go is I think you should have consistency and you should have longevity as you know, mm. obviously, you know, that. Yeah. yeah look at you. <laughs> 14 years in May. Yeah. That's why. No, I, uh, uh, so I, we moved around a lot being in the military and so really plugged into to church here at FBC Seminole and then to Gravel Ridge in Arkansas. And then my senior year, we got orders to move to New Mexico and there was a good youth ministry there at the church, but I was not interested. I was 18. I was about to graduate high school. I was mad that I didn't move away from all my friends and that, that God would do this to us. And I, I was upset. So I never really plugged in the youth ministry there. And so October of my senior year there in New Mexico, I actually moved back to Seminole to live with my grandparents to go to high school here and uh, plugged right back into the youth group guys that I had and the friends that I had. And um, it, it was like I'd never missed a beat. Like I hadn't lived here since my seventh grade year, but moving back, it was just like I fell right back in line. But I'd spent most of my summers here. And so I got really plugged into youth ministry and, and helping out with a lot of those things and kind of going from being nobody in this one youth ministry to being somebody in this youth ministry and seeing how things were run on this side and, and really falling in love with, with the way Brent did youth ministry. And um, I've served under Brent. I, I helped out with Drew. I helped out with Corey. I helped out with Colt when he was here. So I've served under a lot of youth pastors <clears throat> as a volunteer or as the part-time youth guy and learned a lot. I, I always say that you're constantly learning, especially about youth ministry, the youth ministers you want to be like and the youth ministers you don't want to be like. Hmm. And so you you pick up those things from those guys that, that you're like, I really want to do that. And Brent was one of those guys that always was just a friendly face. He was just the goofiest guy in the room. He knew what it was like to make you feel welcome. And being the kid that went to 12 different schools from the time I started kindergarten to the time I graduated high school in the military, moving around so much, I know what it's like to be that that awkward kid in a room, to be that new kid in a room who walks in. I know what that feels like to have nobody come up and welcome you or to have people welcome you and you not want to connect with them because you still feel new. And so I've always said that, that God was building me for youth ministry with all those moves and all those youth ministries and all those high schools and middle schools that I went to. Because when a kid walks in on a Wednesday and is real quiet and sits in the back row by themselves, I know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. So I know how to go out of my way to make them feel welcome because I know what it's like to be in their shoes. Not a lot of those people, especially in, you know, in Seminole, we've got kids that'll start here, you know, as a baby in our bed babies and they'll graduate high school. Um, and they'll only have been to this one church. So they don't know what it's like to be a new friend, new face in that area. And so I always feel like that my time in youth ministry, God was preparing me for ministry. And I look back and at the time I hated it during going through all that. I, I hated it. But looking back now, I see how God was prepping me to be the youth minister I am today through those experiences and be able to look back and see those things. So is there a quality that you guys have as you as a youth minister that you think needs to like be grown more like for instance um i think i do a better job um at like welcoming students um i don't think i would have as a youth but now that i've seen like hey if they aren't being welcomed like they're probably not going to come back um and so i've been able to do that a lot more but the thing that like a quality that i'm lacking in especially is like the planning and stuff like I see um, like a lot of different youth ministers like they're able to plan Falls Creek Super Summer just all these events um, and I'm still learning to do that part so is there like a certain quality or a certain um, attitude or a certain whatever method um, for you guys in youth ministry that you think can grow that you can do better in 
No, yeah. I'm I'm perfect. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Garrett, just you. Yeah. So uh, I would say, uh, not necessarily planning, because I can plan things, but I'm really, uh, I, I have a lot of room to grow in organization of those plans. Mm. So I'm the type of person. I've really been trying to grow over the grow in this area in the last year specifically, but I'm the type of person that I'll take a group of kids to uh, Kansas City, for example. We went to Kansas City, and I had a whole schedule planned out of everything we were going to do. Hmm. And uh, people wanted to know what we're going to do. Parents wanted to know what we we're going to do. And to me, it's always been you don't need to know. You <laughs> just you just do what I tell you, and we're going to make things go. <laughs> and so I had a schedule, but uh, I didn't ever share that with anyone. And uh, I wasn't the best at, you know, getting that information out because I felt like people just didn't really need that. Well, uh, over this last year, I've learned that people really like that information. And when you don't publicize your schedules and things like that, as small of a detail as it sounds like to me, people, it makes a huge difference because they want that. And when you don't do that, it makes it seem like you're just flying by the seat of your pants and you're just very unorganized. And I'm not the most organized person. But I'm much more organized than I lead on because I don't show my hand to people a lot of times. So now it's like, you know, we're going to go get lunch somewhere and I'll have a schedule. Like we're going to meet at the church at 1145. We're going to travel and we're going to get there at 1147. We're going to order at 1149. And it's like people are like, wow, Garrett's so organized. Look at that. He's got everything planned out already. But that's that's somewhere I've been trying to grow in the last you know, year or so. I didn't really know I had a problem with that until recently. It's so. like you're a subtle control freak. It's like, I'm going to, you're going to do everything I tell you to. I'm just not going to tell you what you're doing. Yeah, right. I just, I feel like uh, when I go on a trip with someone or, or whatever, like today, Josh, I'm sure has this day planned out for us, what oh, we're yeah. going to do. And I, I fully trust Josh in everything that we're going to do. I don't need him to tell me uh, what, <laughs> where the podcast room is, where we're going to lunch. I don't need to know any of that stuff because I fully trust Josh. So I feel like when I'm running something, everyone should feel that way. Like, I don't need a schedule. Garrett's got this under control. I don't know what time we're going to tab at Falls Creek, but I know Garrett's going to get us there. And uh, it's just not how it works. You know, there's an ideal world and then there's the world we live in. So... Mm. Where are we going to lunch, Josh? I don't know. We'll figure that out after. <laughs> so uh, for me, the big the big thing that I've I've had to do is to hand ministry off, um, and not and realize I don't have to be in control of everything. Like delegation. Yes, uh, it's something I'm not good at, and and it's and I think I don't know if part of it's that I don't trust people, but I don't think they're going to do it at the level that I would do it. So I would exhaust myself in other areas mm-hmm. to try to reach that level, and so I have to get to a point that I have to hand things off and say, you know what, if it doesn't meet. The expectation that I set, it's going to be okay. It's going to get done. It's going to be fine. Um, it's not going to be excellent as if I were to do it, but then I can focus on other things um, because I'm not exhausting myself trying to be the best at everything. Uh, and then I have to be okay with letting it hit the ground sometimes. Like if I ask a student to do something and they don't do it, I have to be, you know what, that's okay. We're just not going to do it instead of like dreading and going, oh, what are we going to do now? Because this, I just have to be okay with that. And that's something over the last year I've been working on is being in hand tasks uh, tasks off and saying, hey, I want you to be in charge of this. So I've got a student um, who kind of runs our sound booth on Wednesday nights, and I've really been hands-off with that instead of saying, okay, who's going to – I'm going to make sure I've got to to ask a kid to be here this Wednesday and this Wednesday. I just kind of said, hey, I need you to schedule this out, and Mm -hmm. you make sure that somebody's here every Wednesday. So if Wednesday rolls around and it's, you know, 5.50 and no one's in the sound booth – I go, hey, Easton, who's supposed to be in the sound booth? And he's like, oh, it's this person. He's on his way. I don't panic and go, oh, great. Now I have to call a volunteer. Mm-hmm. I have to figure this out. Or I have to set sound and then run up to the stage. I just kind of go, it'll, it'll work itself out. Yeah. And being able to delegate those things. I think that was something that I, it took me, you know, 13 years to realize that you don't have to be the master of everything. You've got to get, you can, you can delegate that out and hand those things off. And then a lot of times students want to do those things. They want to serve, but they don't know how to serve. And so by handing them off to kids, especially kids who you don't expect to take off at those things, it's really interesting to watch them spread their wings and fly. And you're like, man, they're doing better at this than I would have because they're putting their time and attention to this. And you can focus your time and attention on something else you honestly probably need to be doing, especially in student ministry. Yeah. Um, And so that's – so talking about student ministry, what's one of your favorite things about student ministry? Um, There's – you can talk about – there's so much things that go into student ministry between discipleship and small groups and preaching – uh, camps. So what is one of your favorite things about student ministry as a youth pastor? I'd say two parts is uh, the money and the recognition that you get. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, if you know, you know. Yeah, I, I, I love, yeah, right. <clears throat> I love teaching God's word. And if I had to be very broad about this, I would say that's it. Because 
Um, I've been, you know, over the years, I've been approached with different positions where it would maybe even be uh, more administration than anything else. And maybe it's a higher up position than, I don't want to say just youth ministry, but it's, you know, children and youth. And then you don't really teach at either one. You just kind of oversee both. And that sounds really cool in a lot of ways. And I think that would be a great way to connect with families. But it's going to be a tough day for me to move away from student ministry unless it goes into like, you know, a teaching pastor type of role, because I love getting to teach the Bible and uh, the pressure it puts on me to study it and know it well, not just, you know, we know you can throw something together on any Wednesday, but uh, if you're going to do youth ministry well, you need to be well-versed in what you're teaching and know and understand it. And I love all of that. And I love getting to teach it. That's like the highlight of it. But in a more specific way or more specific answer, I love when students get it for the first time. And it's almost annoying in the moment. There, I remember a student saying, I have uh, my whole life thought that I had to be a certain way for God to love me. And I found out tonight at Falls Creek that I don't. God will yeah. God will forgive me for my sins today and I can just start following him. And on part like part of me is like that's so great. I'm so happy that you've heard that for the first time ever. But another part's like I have said those exact words to you a hundred times. Why are you just now getting it? But that's awesome. If if I've told them and they've ignored me or not, uh, it's awesome to see someone finally get it. Mm. So that's probably my favorite thing. I think it's because you don't say all right. After. I think if you did, yeah. it's staple it in their mind. That guy probably did. He said, and Jesus loves you, all right? And all right. then it just blows their mind. I said, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> um, I would also like to just say really quick, when you said just youth ministry, you brought back um, PTSD for me for OBU um, because I remember we were in a leadership class, I think, and I was. they were talking about like, hey, what do you want to do? When of you get out of OBU? And I was like, well, um, I want to do youth ministry, but I don't know if I want to do like just youth ministry. And I meant it as I could maybe see myself doing like pastoral stuff like later, not right now. Um, but they looked at me and they went, it's not just youth ministry. Don't, don't ever say that. It's more, you are important. I was like, I didn't, I didn't mean it that yeah. way. And you're getting on my case about it, which I understand their sentiment, but I was like, hey, back off a little bit. Like, I, I know it's not just youth ministry. You're going to trigger some OBU kids saying things like that. Well, you know, maybe that needs to happen. Um <laughs> My favorite thing about youth ministry. Um, so I should mention for those of you who are listening, I have not even been at um, Asher for two years. Um, I started 2021 in February, um, which I'll talk about um, later whenever we get to a certain question. But um, so I have not been there that long. So I haven't had that much experience as a youth minister. Um, in saying that, I think probably my favorite thing is kind of along the lines of yours, Garrett, with them getting it. But it's not, don't get me wrong, I like when they get to that end point, but I love to see them get to that point. Like, I like the journey um, to the destination for them. So, for instance, I have a few students um, that a few of them have, like, gotten saved recently, which is awesome. Um, A few of them have been saved for a while, and they're just going through the Christian walk. Um, But they are starting to ask questions more. They're starting to want to know certain things. They're starting to ask, like, hey, where does it say this in the Bible? What about this? What about that? I like seeing them ask those questions to figure out their faith on their own. Um, I don't know if I'll happen to – I don't know if I'll mention this, like, phrase later, but I love the phrase, like, make your faith your own, where you are understanding it on your own terms and you're not just hearing what people say and taking it as fact. You're looking into it. But I love seeing them struggle through their faith. I love seeing them ask questions and then get it and go, oh, there's another obstacle. Let me get over that one and then that one. I just love seeing that. I love being able to assist them in that. So I'm still um, I'm still that Wikipedia article like I want to be where I can help them in that. But I love just seeing them get it because if they're struggling with it, it means they're trying with it. If they're just like, oh, you say this, okay, I'll just believe it. It's like mm-hmm. I know that I'm right, but I want you to – figure out why I'm right. You know, I want you to do your own research on it. Um, but that's really fun. I think I like the learning aspect. Um, I'm able to teach, but I like when they start learning it and they want to do it on their own. So that's probably my favorite thing. That's cool. Yeah. I think I'm in the same boat as Garrett. I really enjoy teaching the word. Uh, I have got a huge, um, uh, 
emphasis on that in the last couple of years and being able to, to really dig deep into God's word and challenge kids and, and to, to say, hey, you guys can understand these concepts. You, you can understand the word justification and sanctification and this, this journey we're on. Um, so I, I really enjoy that. But I, I think for me, the top is the moment students make their faith their own. Uh, what I mean by that is, is students who have been brought to church their whole life or were saved at a younger age, and they, they come to church or they're, they're coming to church on their own. Like they don't have family that comes. And the moment they make their faith their own and they realize that it's not my parents, it's not my friends, it's not even Josh's faith, it's, it's my faith, and it, it clicks, I love seeing that moment. Or when you've got a student who calls and is like, hey, listen, I've got to make a call um, if I'm going to get in trouble if I don't go to practice tonight or come to Wednesday night Bible study, but I think this is more important coming to Bible study. And them starting to weigh those those things, even at a young age, and weigh the the, can I miss dance camp to come to super summer? Can I, can I do this instead of this? And having to weigh those, those things out in their life and taking it real serious, taking their faith saying, well, this is the most important thing to me right now is my faith. And so I want to be obedient to Christ in this. I want to grow in this. And the way I'm going to do that is by making some of these hard choices that a lot of times adults don't make, or they don't, they're not, they, it's not in front of them to make those decisions constantly. And for students to start making those decisions and start thinking about that, their faith in their terms of this is what's best for me and my faith. I love watching that moment that clicks for them and that faith becomes their own. That's, that's been one of my favorite things, I think, over the years to watch in students when they just suddenly get it. I mean, I saw that in you, Lane, um, going from, from running slides and being kind of on the fringe of our youth ministry to me sending you to Super Summer and you're going, am I supposed to be here? I don't know this this is for me. And, it wasn't. But, and, but that when you came home and realized hey, something's got to change in me. Like seeing that click, that moment that you took it and went, something's got to be different here. And then you running with it and mm-hmm. not retreating from it. It's just awesome to see. Um, so all these emphasis on, on youth ministry and the things that are your favorite and some of those things. Do you think the church puts enough emphasis on youth ministry? Uh, what, do you, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Do you think the church puts a good emphasis on youth ministry? I think it depends on the church you're at. Um, I don't want to make a blanket statement and say, church doesn't care about youth ministry. That's not true. Just your um, church doesn't? Is that what yeah, you're saying? No. No, my church uh, is one of the ones that I would say definitely <laughs> does. Um, and this is why I'm able to say this. Um, but at least with my church, like, don't get me wrong, um, I do wish I had more help. Not that there aren't people helping. If someone's listening to this from Asher, I love you guys. You guys do a lot. However, I would also, it would just be nice to just have more hands-on people. Um, For sure. They'd probably agree with that, too. Yeah. It's probably the same people every week and... It's just you and them. Yeah. Uh, so they they are fully on board with me. Um, I think Asher is probably m- the best start that I could have to youth ministry. I have basically an open canvas that I can draw, paint, whatever I want on, and they will back me up on it. And I can fail if I want to, and I can win if I want to. And it's open for that. It's not a rigid, this is how we've always done it. This is how it's always going to be done. So I have a lot of support um, with how I do youth ministry there. Saying that, there are a lot of churches that do not care about youth ministry. Um, they don't see it as important because, let's be honest, the kids can't give money or the kids can't um, support in other ways, like resource-wise. They are just there to kind of absorb resources, and they don't see them as being able to give any. They don't see the potential in the students like they should. Right. Um, so I think there are churches, and I think a lot of them – don't support it as much as they should. I think there are still a lot of them that do support it as much as they should. That might have been different a few decades ago. I don't know. But as of right now, I think we're starting to see like, hey, it is important, mm. um, at least in some ways, more than we thought. I don't know what the answer is to this. I'm just curious what you think. I just gave you. <clears throat> okay. Based on uh, what you just said about churches who maybe it's because students don't give or what, for whatever reason, and they don't put an emphasis on student ministry because of that, you think that plays a role into so many students just leaving church after youth ministry? Oh, yeah. I mean, if students don't feel like they're important, if other people are saying, hey, you are not able to provide this, um, you do not have the same worth like other people do, then they're going to go, okay, then I'm not going to come here. If you don't think that I'm worth it, then I'm not going to come. Um, there was a I don't know where I was reading it. I think it was one of my books for one of my classes, but they, yeah, it was. uh, They were talking about how there were these students that were broken up um, in this school, and for some reason, I don't know if it was was an experiment or if it just happened, they, like, had separated the kids into the bright students and then the dumb ones, um, and 
they had told like the teachers like, hey, these are the bright ones, these are the, these are the dumb ones. Well, on accident, they had gotten them mixed up and they had given them the wrong list. And so these teachers um, ended up teaching the bright students how they would the dumb ones, and they taught the dumb ones how they would the bright ones. And what they found out is that the quote-unquote dumb students, when they were put in an environment that they um, were like receiving praise, when they were ex- had higher expectations, they, um, they met those expectations. They rose up to that occasion. And the bright students that were treated like the dumb ones, they didn't meet those expectations. I think it's the same way in youth ministry where if you put the expectations on the students of like you can provide, you can, you are important, you can contribute, then they're going to meet those. If not, then of course they're going to go away. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, I, I think I would echo that that same answer. I, I think um, too many times in church, and, and this used to be here, and I've seen this this shift change where we'd tell students, hey, you're the future church. You're the future of this church. And it's like, no, they're church members now. Mm-hmm. Like they need to understand that they're part of the body now and they have a role to play in that. Otherwise, when they graduate and they, they're faced with a choice of, of going to church or not going to church or joining a church or not joining a church, they're going, well, it wasn't important to me then. The church didn't care about me back then, so why do I care about the church now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think I've seen that shift here, especially when it was, well, the youth are in that building Hey, as long as they show up and they're over there, they're good. Uh, we'll use them to serve. When we need something done, we'll call on them to come serve, and then they'll be good. That's We just need to see them when they're serving in the church. Other than that, as long as they're in that building, we're, we're good. And there's been a real shift change and an emphasis on youth ministry and, and seeing adults who want to pour into students and, and adults who give up their time and talents to grow up these students in the faith because they're the church now and, and letting them see that they sit shoulder to shoulder with other church members in uh, yeah, we have church members who have been here longer, who have served longer, but letting them pour into students has been phenomenal. So they, they see this generational challenge that's in, in front of them that, yeah, they're the same member as a senior adult, but the senior adult has so much more wisdom to pour into them and giving them opportunities to do that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've seen in different churches that uh, sometimes you'll see a church that has a mindset of, you're the youth minister, you take care of it. And while I agree with that partly, there's a, a better way to do youth ministry a lot than just one guy doing everything. And uh, I've seen guys take the idea of we need to split up Sunday school so it's not me teaching the entire room. Uh, let's get some other people in here to break people up by you know gender or age or however you want to do it to make smaller groups to make people more comfortable talking to each other. And they're not having to have like a sixth grade boy mm-hmm. speak in the same room as a senior girl or something like that. And I've heard the church respond super negatively of, you're the guy we're paying, so why would we do that? And it's mm. not it's not so much, how can we progress the youth ministry? It's like, you just make sure they're not running around the hallways being crazy, and we're good. And mm. I've seen the opposite of that, where uh, churches, they feel like they don't have enough help. There's been like 20 volunteers, and they're saying, well, we only have... 20 volunteers right now and it's like man what a what a what a what world a to live in yeah. yeah i'll take one of those right so it's i i think it has to go uh church by church because there's some churches that i think obviously i believe youth ministry is far and away the most important thing in all the church right uh mm-hmm. so i think there are some churches that believe similar to that and then i believe there are churches that it's it's just almost uh, like nursery part two or it's something. like an afterthought, yeah. Yeah, it's just make sure they're not burning anything and we're okay. And if they hear some of the gospel in there, that's great, but they're not real church people, like you said. Well, and you get the connotation that's like, oh, it's just dodgeball and pizza. Like, that's all they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're playing games and eating pizza and they're hanging out. And and I, I, I want to end that stereotype, you know, that, hey, I'm we're opening God's word. Like, what they hear on a Sunday is what they hear on a Wednesday. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's no difference. Like, we... We, we are called to worship and we worship like we're we may play a game a, a goofy game to start off with but that's like three minutes of our hour and 15 minutes together and and really I don't want to challenge kids I want them to come in and go man that was a tough message or a student to go man you like I'm one of the greatest things I've had happen is a student that I do discipleship with came in on a Thursday and he goes hey after you preached last night I went home after FCA and I read through my notes because like you challenged me on prayer that in a way that I'd never thought of before. And so like I reread my notes before I went to bed and this morning I'm still thinking about it. And and I'm like, that's that's what church should be. It should mm-hmm. be challenging people to grow. And that's what we try to do on Wednesday nights with students for sure. Can I get that message? Can I can I use that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> just youth and issues just stealing other people's ideas. Yeah. That's <laughs> what... Whoa. 
That's that's what I've, I've said. That sixty eight percent of youth ministry is original. We're all just stealing Jesus' idea. The first origin, the first youth ministry. All these guys he walked around with, outspoken students. You know, kids arguing constantly. He fed them occasionally. You know, we should do um, Bible verse dodgeball. You tape a Bible verse onto a dodgeball. If a kid gets hit with it, they have to read it out loud. They have to memorize it for that week. No, there you go. Mix it all in together. There you go. Now well, some of them might. Not like that as much. Yeah, you get hit in the face with God's word at some point. <laughs> Jesus so, wept. Talking about the church and, and uh, influence on the church. Um, what's one thing you would say to parents about your student ministry? Uh, I, I've sometimes I have some great connection with some parents, and I have some parents that I never get to talk to, um, just because they don't they don't attend. They, they their, their kids come and they're okay with that. But if you could say one thing to parents about your student ministry, what's one thing you would say? I'll, I'll start. Yeah, why don't you go Okay, first. I'll start. So I, I think there's this connotation sometimes with student ministry that parents want us to fix their broken kids. They want you to make your kids good. Mm. Uh, and I've got this this saying that I'm not here to make good students. I'm here to make gospel students. And along the way, if your kid learns some things and grows closer to Christ, then that other thing that you're worried about would probably be resolved. But I'm not going to preach on lying because you caught your kid lying. I'm not going <laughs> to preach on vaping because your kid got caught with a vape. Like I'm, I'm not going to preach an entire message to your kid because you're struggling. Um, but my goal is not to make good students, but to make gospel students, students who, who want to grow in their faith, who, who get it, who want to make it a part of their everyday life. That's, that's my goal in ministry. I think that's what I would say to most parents. So in the same, in the same idea, I've had parents come to me and say, like, it's almost comical. They'll say... I don't know what I don't know what you're gonna do to fix him, but he is just not yeah. listening to anything I say, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing like how you better <laughs> him. And in those situations, it's hard to be super blunt with a parent because they mean the best by what they're saying. It's like I trust you to show my kid that he is a sinner because he definitely is, and I trust you to to help him in that. And I just want to say like I. I want to do everything you want me to do. And I wish I could just, you know, show your kid that he is a sinner and lead him to repentance and watch him flourish under God. But it can't come in three hours a week. If you're dropping on that Wednesday, Sunday morning, if we meet on Sunday night too, I mean, that's, that's three hours out of all week. I can't, I can't do that. And I think that's crazy for you to want me to. Um, it's got to come from home. If, mm-hmm. if you're leading Bible studies at home and they're learning from you, then I'm just, you know, there to help them along a little bit. I'm just another adult in their life teaching them. Like right now, my son and I read the Bible every single day, and I'm not bragging about that, but my son knows more about Scripture than, like we have uh, a very unchurched section of our youth group where we invite over and they don't come to church any other time except for these certain Wednesdays, we open up our gym and we offer them uh, dinner and games, and it's a, a, a fun time. But then also I share the gospel with them, and we go through a devotional, and that's the only time those kids are ever in church. Like my five-year-old, this is not anything negative about anyone. My five-year-old is way more versed in scripture than they are, and that's awesome for him, but it's also, I, I can't, I can't teach them what I teach my son every day in just an hour. There's mm-hmm. no way. I couldn't cram it into their head enough. And if I tried to, they would forget 90% of it. Whereas my son, we read the Bible 10 minutes a day, every single day. And so he gets to where now he almost has it memorized whenever we're going through the stories again. We've read through his little Bible like four times in his life. So it's getting to the point where he just knows things. And I can't, I can't do that on a Wednesday night once a week for, you know, even a year. I can't, there's no way 52 times versus Graham and I will go through the Bible 52 times in two months. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I wish I could just tell parents, I can't do that as much as I would love to. And that sounds right. awesome. It's got to start with you. It's got to start at home. Mm-hmm. But That's good. Yeah. You kind of stole my answer in a way. Um, I feel like that's what this whole podcast has been though. You should have went first. I should have, but I'm a coward, I guess. <laughs> um, no. So Again, with not being at Asher for that long, um, my first um, my first year uh, has really been connecting with the students first and foremost. Um, I've been trying to get relationships with them to where they're like, okay, I actually care about what this guy's saying. And so I have not connected with the parents as much um, as I want to at this point. However, I'm getting to that point. Um, in saying that the majority of my students 
that I can think of, their parents are not involved with the church. Like, um, they don't come on Sundays. They don't come on Wednesdays. They don't, they don't do that. And they have their own things. I'm not knocking them for it. Um, they're still very supportive of what I do, but they aren't there. And the ones that, there are some that do go, um, and they are making a difference. But I think the thing that I would say to parents in echoing what you said, Garrett, is they need, you guys need to be involved in your students' walk. Like, we only have them for, again, what, three hours a week mm-hmm. if we do three things a week, um, maybe a little bit more in terms of, like, hanging out with them. But overall, we don't have that much time. But the big thing is that the students aren't really going to care unless the parents care. There are students that their parents don't show up and they care about the church a lot. I have one in my youth group and she's awesome. Um, But the majority of the students, they are okay with skipping a Wednesday. They're okay with skipping Sundays. They're okay with not reading their Bible or praying or doing whatever they need to because their parents don't do it. And if their parents are wanting them to see them grow in their faith, then they should be doing it on their own. Um, They shouldn't expect the youth ministers to be the ones that make their kids get it when the parents aren't even involved in it. And so my big thing is like, come to Sundays, come to Wednesdays, like help out with events, be there and show them that you care about what's going on. And then they'll start to care about what's going on. Um, And so that's what I'm hoping to do. Um, Actually coming up um, on the 30th, I'm going to be having a parent night. I'm hoping to set a foundation of like, hey, this is my expectations. This is what I'm hoping you guys do. Um, If you guys want to see your students grow in their faith, we need to collab on this. Like we need to help each other out. Um, and I'm hoping that's where it kind of starts. And I already have another, a mom who has come to me um, asking if the church would help with like a dinner before basketball games um, for the students. And like, that's an opportunity um, to be connected with her, which she is very supportive with most of the stuff that I do. Everything, not most of the stuff. I'm trying to do a lot of damage control with what I say. <laughs> um, but that's what I would want. I want the parents to be there so that the kids can see, okay, this isn't just a youth ministry stuff. This is something that is more important than mm. just that. Um, so that would be my thing. Yeah, I, I think that that's great. And I think parents need to realize that we're advocates for parents. Like, we're not against parents. We want parents to come alongside us. I invite parents all the time. They're like, well, I don't know what my kid does on a Wednesday. I'm like, come sit in, come hang out in the youth mm, room. For like, sure. Come sit and, and watch. Come be a part. I mean, students, as much as they're embarrassed by their parents, they would <laughs> love their parents came to church and, and was, were, were a part of what they did. Um, and, and to realize it's a team effort. Like yeah. we're here for your kids, but we're also here for you. And we want to see you grow and we want to see your students grow, but we're your biggest advocates. We're not it's against almost, you. It's almost like a student uh, parent ministry. It's yeah. like a student parent minister, not just the student. Because or at least what I've been um, noticing more is like as much as we're equipping the students and that's like our main focus, we're hopefully equipping the parents too. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be able to, be like, hey, parents, if you need, like, some curriculum, if you need some ideas, if you need to know, like, what I'm hoping that you would do, like, come and talk to me about it, and I want to help you out on it. Um, and I think a lot – I don't know if a lot of parents know that. Mm. They might feel alienated where it's like, no, that's my student's area or that's my kid's area or that's where they are, um, and so I'm just going to leave it to them. Um, but I, I don't think a lot of parents understand, like, no, we want to help you out as well because you guys are the major influence. We are going to be – they might talk about us later, but like you guys are, they're going to influence you more than you could ever think mm. in terms of this area. All right. We'll wrap this podcast up with one last question. We'll go out on a lighter note here. Um, so you guys have served in ministry for, for years. Um, I'm the oldest one in the room mm. by a lot. Um, but what's one of your biggest youth ministry fails? What's, what's a youth ministry fail story? So, so are we doing capital F fail or lowercase F fail? Like a failure or like a, oops, this was, this was bad. I did this wrong. I would love to hear your, I know, I, your I, moral failure. That's what I want to well, hear. No, like, I'm asking because. You go first, Layton. Let's okay. <laughs> I don't th- I'm asking this because I don't think I've been in ministry long enough to have one of those like big fails. Like just a moment where you got done and you were like, oof. So I would say my capital F fail, my failure, was probably my first six months. Like legitimately, it was uh, it was rough. I started out um, setting like a foundation of like, I want to preach out of Romans so that these students understand the theological significance of what they're getting into. There you go. And I got about six sermons in. And I was like, I've talked about the law and like sacrificial systems for the past, I don't know how long. I have a lot of like crowd control I need to do before I can get into this. 
And I, even to this day, I don't consider my first six months in ministry to be my first six months in ministry. It didn't feel like until after Falls Creek that year that I finally like got my footing and I was like, okay, now I kind of know what I'm supposed to be doing. It felt like I was just flailing around for those first six months. Stuff um, like that's so good though. Oh because yeah. Because now you, you, you probably grew way more than you would have if not just with the experience of finding out like, okay, oh, I should yeah. probably chill a little bit. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go through Romans later. No, I definitely consider the failure a learning experience. It's not oh, like yeah. it was a bad thing. Um, It'd be different if I came out of that and I was like, none of that worked. I'm never doing it again. It's like, All no. these kids suck. Yeah, yeah, these kids don't really care. I'm going to go somewhere else. No, but I think that that would be my big failure. But it's not like it was a crash and burn failure. Uh, and so that's why I'm wondering, like, it's not a moral failure that I've had. It was just, it wasn't good. Um, it, it was just, it was not great. And so that would be my big um, failure in terms of that. I also have a tinier fail, but like, I want to like kick this off to you guys and then we can probably get back to me after. So along those lines, I think the very first youth sermon I preached was a Sunday morning, Sunday school cult had asked me to teach Sunday school. And I think we had, we started at nine 30 and I was praying at nine 43 and we still had like 45 <laughs> minutes to go. I remember being done and looking up and going, I'm done. Like I, that's how I ended my sermon. I was like, I'm done. And I didn't know what else to do. We still had like 30 minutes till service started. And I remember going, I'm done. Did the kids all cheer and go, yeah. We, we just played to. foosball and hung out until we played that dodgeball. That was the best pizza. message I've <laughs> yeah, ever yeah. heard. Um, no, okay. So so one of my fails, I, I remember this. and So we were um, hosting a biker rally at our church. We were, the, the faith writers were coming here. And we were hosting a biker rally for a Sunday morning service, doing a big fellowship after in our bridge building. And so Colt was the full-time guy. I was the part-time guy. And so Colt came to me like five minutes before the youth group started and said, hey, I need you to build a slide real quick to advertise the biker rally so the kids know what's going on. I said, okay, yeah, I'll get that. Google image search, found a, just a quick picture of a biker, had his hand in the air, dragged it over to our slides, typed in the information, biker rally this Sunday, church in the bridge, lunch after, bring $5 for lunch. Um, so they didn't panic when they saw these bikers in the building and that we weren't going to be in the sanctuary, we were going to be in the bridge. So Colt's giving the announcements, and he starts talking about the biker rally, and the kids start laughing, like visibly laughing. And Colt goes, Josh, what are you doing? And I look up, and the picture that I had pulled from Google Image Search had this cartoon biker with his hand in the air, which is I thought that's all it was. But it turns out he had his middle finger up in the picture. So he was flipping off everybody from the stage. And so I quickly cut that image out. My face turned red. I was like, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get fired. But I think the funniest part of that story was that kids went home and like, Colt showed us a picture of a guy flipping us off. Like it was Colt's doing, not Josh's doing. Uh, but I, I quickly came clean about that. Um, but yeah, just that was one of my big fails is, is make sure you uh, pre-scan your slides before you throw them up in front of your kids. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you just saw the arm up and went, that's okay. Yeah, that's I just fine. figured he was like, just putting his fist in the air, you know. Yeah, as bikers do. Yeah. so He's got a pointy fist. So I have two, uh, one's kind of smaller and one's going to have damaged a kid for life probably. Hmm. But uh, at fall retreat last year, there is a kid who I love very much, but he is a lot. And uh, one day he was he – was successfully trying to get under my skin a lot and uh i thought i think this is a fail i thought the best course of action and we were at seminoles cabin so you guys can get the lay of the land i opened the back door um and i took both of his shoes and i just threw them as far as i could uh and i was in my head i was hoping to throw them over the mountains behind the cabin and i just threw them as far as i could and i think i did that twice actually and i Part of me regrets that, and I feel like that's a fail. I, Only part of you. Yeah, because he 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 deserved something. I just don't know if that was Did it. Did you uh, hit the creek with him? Did they clear the creek. I. It was dark. <laughs> in my in my head, he will never find these shoes. But somehow he found. It was completely dark outside. It was probably like ten thirty p.m. And I just threw him as hard as I could. So you didn't hear a splash. I didn't hear anything. I so. heard the rage in my head. Uh, <laughs> so you either threw it ten feet or. <laughs> 3,000 feet. Yeah, it might have been 3,000. So that happened. I kind of feel like I could have approached that differently with a little more grace. And then uh, the second one, I had just heard some, I don't remember who it was, um, but I just heard someone say, don't label any kid the something kid ever, Hmm. because then they'll be that forever. If you say it from stage or whatever, 
all the kids, if they think it's funny or not, that kid will now forever be that kid. Mm -hmm. And so this was fresh on my mind. And there was a student who I had met at VBS like a month prior. He was coming up into our youth group. He hasn't been there for a month. Now he's here for the first time. Looked very familiar to me because I spent a whole day with him, two days maybe. And uh, I at one point said, how do I know you? What do I know you from? And he said, I went bowling with you. We went whatever. And I went, oh, you're the chicken kid. Because we were like walking out. The bus is there to pick us up. And he ordered a whole bunch of chicken. I was like, you can't take that. And so I said, you're the chicken kid. And immediately when I said that, I remembered, don't label a kid the whatever kid. And so because I'm just so witty and smart and funny, I, I immediately jumped to a new nickname that I could give him that's less harmful. And I said, Something to the effect, I called him Plop, like from the <laughs> office, and he said, what, Plop, why? And I said, because you're always taking dumps, bro. And so I tried to avoid the chicken kid, and now I made him Plop forever. I, I don't even know what his real name is at this point. He's a former student now, so it's okay, but probably uh, that's a big fail that now he's just known as Plop. By everyone. By so. everyone as a yeah. result. Said, no, chicken's too much. I'm going to talk about how he poops. Yeah, yeah. right. So We're next time, flip this script real quick. chicken kid is just going to have to stick. All right. Well, hey, I want to thank you guys for being here, talking about youth ministry on our, our podcast. And, and so we end our podcast by talking about things that we're thankful for. I mean, obviously, it's Thanksgiving's this week, and so it's really easy to talk about that. Uh, but that's one thing that me and my son do in the morning uh, when we pray <laughs> on the way to school is we, we thank God for one thing that we're thankful for. So in your lives, in your youth ministry, it can be anything. What's one thing that you're, you're thankful for? So I have a, a student that I prayed for literally for four years every day. It was day one coming to Pocasset. Um, I had a big welcome party where it was going to be everyone from the sixth grade that had just moved up. It was going to be my first day. It all worked out perfectly. It was a Wednesday night, and uh, it was going to be a big thing. I bought like 12 pizzas. I was ready for a giant party. I've never really even met these students before, and I had one girl show up. And uh, it was just her and I, and I was able to connect with her and learn it was just her birthday. We talked for a long time. Somehow it got brought up that uh, she wasn't saved. And it was the craziest thing to me because her mom was our music minister at the time, and uh, her dad was very involved in the church. And from the moment she told me that, I hardly even remembered her name, but I knew I had a huge burden for her. And I prayed for her every day for years. She was a junior in high school going to, into her senior year. She finally gave her life to the Lord, and uh, it was like I almost retired that day because of how <laughs> thankful I was. And I would like write messages specifically to her, thinking like, well, maybe this is why God's not calling her yet. I'm going to address this tonight. And uh, the day she got saved, I have uh, never been more thankful for anything in student ministry, and I, I almost retired like Thanos after he snapped <laughs> half the universe That's away. Done. Become yeah. a farmer. That's it. So. Um, I got two things. Uh, one, I would also like to shout out some of my students. Um, it, especially with like small town youth ministry, um, you don't have like a big, you don't have a big sample size um, for youth. Like there, there are a lot of youth ministries where like they'll get a hundred kids or whatever, and that's just because you have a lot of kids that show up. Like you have the amenities, you have whatever, and they show up, and so you can you eventually will have students that get it um, because of just how many there are. Um, but with small town, you don't get that. You have a very few amount of kids and. <coughs> If some aren't getting it, it's very showing. It's very telling whenever they aren't getting it. Um, and so even with being there not even two years, um, I can feel like there are some times that I felt like, well, like for the first year, I think no kid had been saved. Like nothing had really changed. I was like, maybe I'm not doing this right. Like maybe maybe I need to change. Um, and it's not until you get those few kids where it's like, oh, no, there is something happening, especially if there's only like – this small amount, there's something happening. And so I want to shout out the kids that um, I know them, and they probably know, like, they are at least staying committed. Um, they are putting the time in. They're asking questions. They are acting like they're caring. And I love that because even if it's, like, three or four or five, however many, it's still those that I can show up to church and be like, they're at least wanting to learn. They're at least wanting to listen. So shout out them. Um, the other thing is I want to shout out my dad. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for all that he's done for me. Um, he's done a lot with like college and um, just like being there for me and stuff. And so shout out to him. Um, thank you very much, Dad. Um, you've just, you've done a lot and I'm very appreciative of it. 
Um, I'm going to say I'm thankful for my youth workers. So I was I was sick this last week, and I had to miss Sunday morning church, um, and I was super bummed out, um, super FOMO on Sunday morning, feeling like I needed to be here, but it was probably the best that I wasn't. Um, but being able to have youth workers that I could call and combine Sunday school classes and um, had Brett take over the announcements for me and, and Penny stepping up and taking my wife's Sunday school class because she was homesick after Ann had, had w- w- said they were going to do it but found a way for it to work out differently. And then Rob taking on my college Sunday school class with his ninth and 10th graders and um, getting Jim Cummins to cover sound for me and having just this plethora of people that care about the ministry that says, hey, if you can't be here, we've got this. And so I'm super thankful that I could miss on a Sunday and didn't feel guilty about not being here. Now, I had FOMO because I, w- I wanted to be here. I feel like I was missing out, but not feeling guilty about the ball dropping somewhere because we had so many people who were willing to step up and take that over. Um, Rob checking in on me, you know, texting me every day, making sure, hey, how are you doing? You feeling okay? What can we do for you? Uh, so super appreciative for those people in my life that allow me to take a sick day and not feel <laughs> guilty um, for, for being sick, uh, especially here at the church. So it was very, very comforting for that. So... All right. Well, we're going to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being here this week and talking youth ministry. And um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another podcast here in the the holiday season. Um, But this is the part where I say, and don't forget, and you guys say words matter. Okay. So don't forget, words words matter. matter. This has been the Words Matter Podcast, a podcast of FBC Seminole. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.